In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through my every For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. Join me. In this knowing, I recognize, and as I recognize and invite you to recognize with me, we are lifted up. So let's look up in our mind's eye. Let's look up in the joy and the gratitude, the appreciation, the possibility, and the opportunity to understand that we are divinely ordained, gifted with this life, gifted with the opportunity to create, to choose, to live in freedom or not, or bondage. The same law that binds us, frees us. And so we come together today and understand that our opportunity is each moment, each thought, each eternal moment. And so I recognize on behalf of each one here and myself that there is one power, one presence, that one infinite divine intelligence that shows up in a variety of forms. But at the core of each and every aspect of life is divinity. It's that unseen force for good that lives within us, around us, through us, and as us. And so as we shift and change and open ourselves to more possibilities and that opportunity, our lives are transformed. So our product within spiritual community is a transformed human being. And so I celebrate that transformation right here and right now, knowing that that in my mind, I impress upon this infinite intelligence the highest thoughts possible. And yet I know that also at that deep level of being, that there's an infinite divine genius that lives within each and every one of us that is informing, instructing, and resourcing at deep levels, and perhaps at a mysterious level for us. But I trust it. I stand in faith with you. And I understand that the next right awareness, the right thought, the right experience is called into our experience to bless us, to move us forward, to deepen us, to expand us, and to be a greater expression of love upon this planet. For this, I just give thanks, knowing this day is blessed in every good way. This is such a beautiful, amazing community that continues to unfold and to, to support the idea that something wonderful and wonder-filled is unfolding here and now. All that is required for me and what I know is to agree with this and then pay attention in my own awareness and my own consciousness and be about the business of supporting that idea. For this, I give thanks. I give thanks for this focus. I give thanks knowing that this idea that I've expressed has been divinely guided and inspired through intuition and through my heart, that it already exists in the mind of the one and I continue to say yes to that possibility by means of my life and that expression. So I stand ready, willing, and able to receive and to share. For this I give thanks. 
knowing it is already done. And I release it, not just randomly, I release it knowing it is impressing upon this infinite divine intelligence in a very specific and powerful way. I don't scatter it all over the universe, but I release it specifically knowing that the right and perfect alignment of awareness and energetic and vibration is responding in due accord to that which I'm speaking about and from. For this I give thanks. And together we say, and so it is. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hi, Debbie. Oh, my gosh. One of our, our wonderful, amazing members that has moved on to bigger and more wonderful things. I don't know how it could be more wonderful than here, but welcome back. Awesome. Um, good morning. We're using the Michael Singer's book uh, this month, which uh, Saskia did such a great job of doing the presiding today. Thank you, Saskia, for being such a great ambassador for us. Yes. Freedom, beauty, and joy. So Dr. Holmes said this, our founder of this tradition, and uh, we speak of him, I speak of him frequently. He, he was uh, an amazing man, and he's an amazing man. His consciousness continues to evolve, and we know that. Holmes said this, man must be created, or man or woman, but of course he wrote it in 1926, so man was the idea at that time, and he didn't mean it in, in terms of gender, but just humanity. Man must be created with the possibility of limitless freedom and let alone to discover himself or herself. And so as I said in our treatment, that which, well, that which binds us is also the same um, capacity to free us. That we, and so Michael Singer's book is such a beautiful articulation of that. It's just that he expands on what Holmes had to share in such a beautiful way. So the natural ups and downs of life, right there, there we go. Kind of can be a roller coaster at times. I've been on this roller coaster in one time. And, um, but there's a lot of ups and downs, is there not? But change is the nature of life. And so if we have a, we can decide, is change exciting or is it frightening? Because that's a big one. Einstein said it. We either believe that the universe is for us or against us. And if we agree with it that it's against us, then life looks a little different, doesn't not? So the change is the nature of life. And if you have a lot of fear, as Michael Singer says, you won't, like, you, you won't like change and you won't like life too much. So we, so we either let go now. This chapter that I focused on this, this week, it's such rich, wonderful material. I was going to try and do three chapters, and that just became overwhelming. And I thought, ah, I don't have time for three chapters. But I can speak to this one, I think, in a way that is clear and concise and, and, and such a beautiful piece of the, that work he's put together. But... He said, we, we let go now, and I don't know where that street is, but we let go now or we fall. And so I wanted to speak to that today about letting go and, and, and what the fall looks like. And there's this beautiful ballerina and the flowers, and it's a lovely picture of someone that might fall, but probably doesn't. But what happens when we are... When we struggle with fear, life becomes a struggle because what we want to do is we want to create a world around us that's predictable, controllable, and definable. So fear doesn't want... It's because what happens is with fear is it doesn't want to feel itself. It's actually afraid of itself. So that's the other piece of it. And, and I've talked to many, many people. Many times I'll talk to people about what's your greatest fear. The, the apprehension about feeling the fear far exceeds the experience of being in the experience that might create the fear. So this living in that low level of anxiety all the time and nurturing that, and then it becomes an energetic and it becomes a way of life. As he says, fear is another object in the universe you are capable of experiencing. So we are capable of experiencing a variety of things, and fear is one of them. 
But many times fear captures us. Last week we talked about this idea of the seed of self. The last two weeks, this seed of self and this ability to, to come back to ourselves and realize we're not the thing out there. We are the, the, the witness. We are experiencing the thing out there. But we many times are drawn into it and then we get sort of hypnotized by it and think we are the object. We become objectified. And you can recognize it. As, as Singer says, so we are all hardwired for this. You can recognize it and work to release it is one option. Dr. Holmes would say we must look at a thing long enough until it no longer has power over us, one of my favorite sayings by him, which means that we bring an awareness and a consciousness to that, the experience we're in rather than and then move in so closely we're lost in the experience, but to witness it and look at it and go, wow, look at that. What's going on here? And what is that? who is that within me that's so fearful? or the anxiety, or have to, I, have to, I have to know it's predictable, I have to be able to control it, I have to give it a name. With fear, we, we nurture weakness, insecurity, and we attempt to, what we, we do when we're in that, and I've been there, I'm, I, would be, uh, not, I would be lying to you to tell you that I've never had, most of my life I've lived in fear. And one of the beautiful things about this teaching and, and what we, we, we share and support is the idea of having the greater and greater awareness about it when we slip into it so that we, we become less and less objectified by it. In other words, we're not, we don't slide into it completely. With fear, there's weakness and insecurity inside us. And what happens is we attempt to keep it from being stimulated. That's why we want to control it. So I'll do whatever I can not to, to slip into fear because I don't want to be fearful. And, and I'll do everything I possibly can. So many people's, a big part of their lives is to avoid fear at all costs. And when we, re, we resist changes, we end up struggling with life. And so many times uh, people will look out in the world and will see people, and maybe you've had this experience, people are not behaving the way they should. Anybody ever had that? People aren't, or events are not unfolding, unfolding the way I want them. Nobody's ever had that one. Okay, I see a few people shaking their heads. I, I've had that experience. Or we view events from the past, and, and they, they still feel disturbing. We bring those forward with us, or we see things down the road. We start looking out in the future and going, this is going to be a problem, this is going to be a problem, and oh, gee, there's a problem too. So what happens is that events either become desirable or undesirable, and, and as a result of that, it's good or bad, and then life is either for us or against us. But all the stuff out there begins to define us. And what Singer's talking about, what the Buddha talked about, what Jesus of Nazareth talked about are all the same things. And isn't it interesting that this work, I think, is so powerful and potent, and yet it's so much easier to stay stuck in trying to avoid the fear and trying to, to, to put labels on things and define things and remain what we think is safe. This, all of these things come about, have been defined how things need to be in order for us to feel okay. How did we, and how do we come up with a notion that life is okay? Uh, how do we come up with the, the notion that life is not okay just the way it is? What if life were just okay the, what, the way it is, despite all of those other ideas? And one of the things that helps us understand that and live from that is that if we continue to, to tap into that seed of, the, seed of the soul, that seed of self, Gary Zukov calls it the seed of soul. Eckhart Tolle talks about presencing the pain body. Michael Singer talks about witnessing what's going on, being the observer, t- 
taking a breath and leaning back. And I've been doing that all week. I catch myself falling into the trap of judging and opinions and, and all this that's not working out. And then what I have found is I've suggested to you, I thought, well, geez, I've asked you to do it. Maybe I should practice too. There's a novel idea, huh? But to simply lean back and watch and go, watch it go by and go, wow, there's another fear. Where is that? What's that based on? And it's typically not enough. There's not enough, not enough time, not enough resources, not enough, whatever, not enough love. But to realize, wow, there, there I am in that very practice, leaning back and breathing. So, but what happens when we're fear-based is that what, what disturbs us, what disturbs us is not okay, and what doesn't disturb us is okay. And it's a really poor way to keep score. I mean, if our, if our self-esteem was based on how the Oilers did this year, how would we all feel about ourselves? <laughs> really? You know, I wish them well. I watch them. I, I tell Laura, I turn on the game every time it's on TV, and I say, the Oilers are turning it around tonight. And then I watch it for about 10 minutes, and I go, well, maybe next game they're going to turn it around. <laughs> and I wish them well. It's a beautiful thing. So change is the nature of life. Got a slide for you on that, and there's the butterfly. You know, all of us are, we're all butterflies. We all have this beautiful opportunity to, 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 uh, for the metamorphosis to take place. And so if there's an infinite divine intelligence that's guiding us and leading us and loves us unconditionally, and all of a sudden we have all these things in our lives that disturb us, how, how can that doesn't line up because it doesn't feel like a loving God would? How could a, how could a loving God provide that? That's a, that's, a, that's a very common idea. Why would God do this to someone that just doesn't deserve this? Well, who says they don't deserve this? Who says this is not for the, for the cracking open of their souls and the expansion of their spirit upon this planet that will loosen energy that is phenomenal and transformative? But when we look at it, when we're objectified and we're caught in it, it's very easy to, to judge it as good or bad. But the reality is we're all eternal. I want to share this wonderful video with you from Alan Watts. Alan Watts is an amazing thinker and teacher and writer. And he was one of the people that brought the Eastern traditions in perspective. It's a five-minute video that's very powerful. And I, I just feel it's so wonderful dissertation on what we stand for and what, what truly is the truth of our being. Wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. He's talking about waking up. And uh, since you're all here and engaged in this sort of inquiry and listening to this sort of lecture, I assume that you're all on the process of waking up. Or else you're teasing yourselves with some kind of uh, flirtation with waking up, which you're not serious about. But I assume maybe you are not serious but sincere, that you are ready to wake up. So then, when you're in the way of waking up and finding out who you really are, what you do is what the whole universe is doing at the place you call here and now. You are something the whole universe is doing in the same way that a wave is something that the whole ocean is doing. The real you is not a puppet which life pushes around. The real deep down you is the whole universe. So then, when you die, you're not going to have to put up with everlasting non-existence because that's not an experience. A lot of people are afraid that when they die, they're going to be locked up in a dark room forever and, it, and sort of undergo that. 
But one of the most interesting things in the world, this is a yoga, this is a way of realization. Try and imagine what it will be like to go to sleep and never wake up. Think about that. Children think about it. It's one of the great wonders of life. What will it be like to go to sleep and never wake up? And if you think long enough about that, something will happen to you. You will find out, among other things, that uh, it will pose the next question to you. What was it like to wake up after having never gone to sleep? That was when you were born. You see, you, you can't have an experience of nothing. Nature abhors a vacuum. So after you're dead, the only thing that can happen is the same experience, or the same sort of experience as when you were born. In other words, we all know very well that after people die, other people are born. And they're all you. Only you can only experience it one at a time. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. You know that very well. Only you don't have to remember the past in the same way you don't have to think about how you work your thyroid plan or whatever else it is in your organ. You don't have to know how to shine the sun. You just do it. Like you breathe. Doesn't it really astonish you that you are this fantastically complex thing? And that you're doing all of this and you never had any education in how to do it? I hope you can make out most of that. It's just such a beautiful, it's called The Real You by Alan Watts if you want to uh, watch it on YouTube. But it's, you know, we are this eternal th presence that w our, every birth is our birth. If, at, the, at the core, at the depth of being, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful idea to realize. And so the, the idea that we die in this life, as he said, it's the, eternal, it's the eternal spiral that Dr. Holmes talked about. We're born into a new experience. And I think what influences it more than anything is the quality of our experience in that transition. And, and, and that just speaks to me of, of uh, the eternal truth. And so what is interesting in that, you know, we see little prodigies born that, that play the piano or they, they learn a, a language, you know, at a very young age or they do something amazing that we find remarkable. And it speaks to the continuum of life. It speaks to that ongoing nature of, of the, the soul and the, and the spirit and that, the consciousness finding other greater avenues of expression. And so for me, it's fascinating to, to continue to do my own work around these ideas where I, I slip into fear. I slip into these ideas about, uh, I've got a little, uh, oh, I, I already shared them with you around fear of not behaving, of uh, that, that that life is not unfolding as it should, that, that there's uh, disturbing things in my past or there's problems in the future. And so what, what has been wonderful for me around uh, getting launched on this, this spiritual path, this spiritual practice, has been bringing awareness to it and mindfulness to it and realizing I don't have to spin in that anymore. Yeah, that happened in my life, but it, it doesn't identify me anymore. And it is, is, is dissolving that identification with the error belief 
or that, that misidentity of self. So we have a, we have a picture of a, a young lady here that is experiencing fear, anxiety, and security, and maybe that you can resonate with that. Maybe you've done that at times where you're laying in your bed ready to pull the covers over your head. For many people, that's a, that's a spiritual practice. Or we have the, the, the picture of a beautiful woman that is, to me, represents the seed of the soul in joy that all is well and looking forward to life and the vibrancy and the possibility of life. Life is change, and it's not, not all under our control. It just isn't. We don't control the universe. We're not, you know, we, but we, what we do control is our response and our, our participation with it. So the alternative with all this is to try not to fight with life. And so when we slip into fear, it's to catch ourselves. It's to catch ourselves sooner rather than later. If we're constantly trying to control life, we never live it. Holmes, and Dr. Holmes said that, that, that what, what's important is that while we live, we truly live. And to live in freedom. That which is blocked, Michael Singer talks about these blocks that we have. Things get triggered or energy gets blocked in us. And then our heart, it's, it, it's the root of all fear. Energy, energy the things that we hold on to, these smaller ideas, these misidentities, these error beliefs, block energy. And then we don't flow. And then our hearts, our hearts get weak. And our heart is such an amazing energy source, an intelligence source. And what happens when our hearts are weak, we're susceptible to lower vibrations. And one of those lowest vibrations is fear. And, when, and as, as Michael Singer says, to catch it at the beginning is so important because when we catch it at the beginning, there's an opportunity for us to, to then not spin into it. And, and many people do that. Many people spin, 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 go down low, low, low. And then it's almost like the life there's never any opportunity for newness to show up because there's so many stories that we carry with ourselves and, and, and tragedies and tragic things that happen. And so the opportunity is for all of us to be able to, to maintain our presence in the seat of, of the self and be a witness and a, and a wonderful participant in life. It doesn't mean we don't participate. It just means that we don't join them or spin ourselves down into that misidentity that there is something to fear. We are eternal. Dr. Barnum, my teacher, used to say, and teacher of teachers, taught many of the great ministers and, and teachers in our movement, used to say that we have eternity, but not one second to waste. And I love that. And, when we, and so, so, as I said earlier, that we are surrounded by people by this benevolent and amazing presence that has brought into our experience by the right of our own consciousness the people that are there to tempt us not to love them. When all of a sudden we get that and we realize, oh, there's somebody there tempting me not to love them. Wow, look at that. I think what I'm going to do is rather than, than pick a fight, is I'm going to lean back and breathe and just let it go by. Because if it's within that individual's consciousness, to look for the next good fight because that's how they get energy and we remove ourselves from the fight, they'll go find somebody else to fight with. This, has been, this is really serious deep practice. They will, they will find somewhere where they can gather energy because many people gather energy that way. So life has surrounded us with the people that will assist us and this is an act of a, a benevolent and loving presence. Michael Singer says, you only have to be willing to open your heart in the face of anything and everything to permit the purification to take place. So if our consciousness determines our experience, 
And we make an agreement with ourselves that everyone in our life is here to assist and love us and support us into giving birth to the possibility of ourselves. Then how could anyone not be a blessing in our lives despite their behavior, despite what it looks like? And, and especially when they're triggering us because if they trigger us, it's an opportunity to step back and go, look at that, that triggers me. I had all kinds of, it's very interesting. I start doing this work, start doing, reading this material, and, and all of a sudden, everybody that triggers me comes up into my awareness. So I get here about 8.15 this morning, and I say, I can't possibly do this talk. I'm so, I'm so animated and triggered by all this. And so then I, <laughs> I actually had to sit down and lean back from it and do my own work around that and realize, look at that. So you're doing this work, and look what's alive for you in this. I have a picture that I think is, is, is a perfect example of this. It's a, it's a landfill with a dump truck. And many times, what happens for us is that our consciousness goes to where there's the greatest acute pain and reaction. Could we bump our toe? We, we hear a loud noise. We have a hurting or broken heart, whatever it may be. And as he says, it's so important to observe what's happening our consciousness is drawn to the disturbance and the whole world looks different. But what happens with this is that, that people and things will come into our lives and for us as well, with our, if we have these blockages, if we have these, these error beliefs that we're hanging on to, we start to paint the world with our error beliefs. And we start to look at the world because, because I, have, I don't have enough or I'm not enough or they're, they're behaving badly over there or there's, there's trouble coming. We paint our whole picture with our, our perception of life with that. And then not only do we, do we live that, but we start to share that with everyone. John Maxwell talks about this in one of the early books I ever read and I, I've always loved John Maxwell's work. He said he used to have people that would come into his, he was a minister down in San Diego, had a very, very, very big church. And people would come in repeatedly, and it'd be the same people because part of it was their spiritual practice, and they would have issues and problems and disturbances in their lives. They would have blockages, and he would say, they would come in and they would unload that. They would just tell their story. They would unload all their garbage. And he said, I would let him do it three times because, because what he understood was that at some point, there has to be a shift or change. There has to be engagement at some deeper level. There has to be a practice that becomes involved to stop that pattern of thinking. But for many of us, we get on that pattern, or we can, people can get on that pattern, and it never stops. And he said, he finally looked at a woman that had come in several times, and he said, you know, I am not the landfill. I am not the emotional and spiritual landfill where you just keep coming in and dumping your garbage and leaving it here. So you're going to have to, to take responsibility for what's going on and either shift it or change it. But I've got the story. I've got it memorized. I'm probably going to write a book about it at some point in time. But I am not. And so if you have people in your life like that, at some point in time, it's, it, it's totally appropriate to just simply say, I'm holding the highest and best possibility for you. I know that there's everything within you to move through this in a beautiful, wonderful way, that this is an opportunity for your personal transformation. You probably have that conversation with people every day, don't you? Thank you. <laughs> Somebody raising their hand up back there. Awesome. So when energy gets blocked, it's to have that awareness. I want to show you a lady that, that, uh, that I think is amazing, and she's one of my heroes, and, and uh, here she is. You've probably seen this on YouTube. You're pulling up to get gas. Gas tank's on the wrong side. 
Well, she's got to figure it out now. So he's got it right this time. There we go. Isn't that a wonderful thing to watch? Doesn't look like she got mad once. She just kept doing it until she figured out how to do it. And that's what Michael Singer says, just put it down. How, you know, what, what serious, powerful practice to just practice bit by bit. You know, and you know, it won't be the totality of our lives, but to just simply put, put it down, whatever it is that is triggering us or activating us. Because he says what happens is if we, if we carry the blockage, and I, I truly know this. One of the things, that my, I, I love my children passionately. I love my kids. I love my stepkids. I love them all. And what I know is that what I don't transform, I transmit. That I, I, I don't create a spaciousness enough in their lives. That there's, a, there's, a, there's an energetic that we share as family units. And I watch it play out in my own uh, family of origin. And what I want to do is I want to create more drafting and more space within that experience for not just that group, that group I know, but for everyone that comes behind us, the future generations. And when we can do this work and we can create the spaciousness and really accept the fact that, wow, we're infinite and anything is possible and I want to free that energy. I want to, I want to, I'm, I'm fascinated with the idea, what would happen? What would happen? And, I'm, and so I work with, I'm so happy and grateful that, that, that I'm surrounded by amazing people that share a common interest in sharing their gifts and talents and living a vibrant and dynamic and creative free life. I'm so happy and excited about the possibility of doing my own work each day, getting up each day and realizing, you know what, this is my opportunity to do a little more cleaning, spiritual cleaning today. And I have practices in my life that help me with that. And, and so for us, our product, I mean, we have one product that we can, can stand and say, look at that. And that is a transformed human being. It's a transformed human being. And, and, and that's our opportunity. And so it doesn't matter what we're carrying with us. It doesn't matter what our history was or our, our tragedies are, or what our experiences are in the past. They all inform us and they will guide us into a new awareness and, and they certainly make up the sum total of our lives. But there's also been a gift to help us wake up. As Alan Watts said in that beautiful video, we either decide to wake up or we don't. And once we make the agreement to wake up, once we make the commitment to ourselves, there are things that get activated within us and around us that are phenomenal. And all of a sudden, the challenges or the blockages that we have become more apparent to us. So it, becomes, it can become more painful. And yet, that's the way this loving, infinite divine intelligence has set this up. And of course, we get objectified. Of course, we get captured by the, the things outside of us. So it's not that, that we don't ever care about that. It's just that we care about them in a different way. And we have the wisdom and the clarity and the groundedness of being so that we can let people have their own experience. But not buy into it. I understand you're having that experience and I have total empathy with you because man, I've done that too. But I know that me spinning into it with you does not help. As he said, we do not overcome fear, we don't over overcome darkness by participating in darkness. Ernest Holmes said that, we, that, that freedom is like turning a light switch on. And so when we make the agreement, all we have to do is make the agreement. And, and, and all we have to do is capture the ideal of what it is that we would like to experience. See, we will never achieve perfection in this lifetime. I know that. But the pursuit of it is just so wonderful. 
So it's not about, wow, whew, I'm going to get there one of these days. I'm going to hit perfection. And that'll be it. And then I can get on with my life and I can enjoy everything. No, that's, this is part of it. It's an ever, what, the ever greater, the, the greater yet to be. The greater yet to be. But, but when we don't do that, we can get trapped in those negativity cycles. So some practices to leave with you. As he says, let go at the beginning. When you find yourself spinning into negativity, to, to make the agreement with yourself, because you may not have the awareness right now to do it, but that something within you does know, and to simply say, I affirm and know that the divine intelligence within me is informing and guiding me and reminding me, and I start to spin into my disturbances, into my blockages. And then what I can do is I can lean back. I've been doing this all week. I've been doing it all month since I've been reading Michael Singer's book. It's a good practice. Lean back. I always lean back a little bit and I breathe. This too shall pass. This is going to work out. God's delay is not God's denial. If things aren't happening when they should, maybe it's because there's something bigger and better that wants to, to be fulfilled here. To create the spaciousness and realize, oh, that's okay. I know something good is happening for me and through me and as me because something wonderful is happening here. And I don't, need to know, I don't need to know how that's going to happen. But to move each day with that. When a blockage hits, recognize it as good. This is a good thing. Oh my gosh, I'm triggered. This is great. I get to clean this up. I don't want to share this anymore. I don't want to live from this anymore. Let go and permit the purification. See, there's an intelligence within us that understands this. It's longing for our recognition. Longing for the spaciousness to have its way with us so that the, that, that the things that can, can be lifted up. So we're lifted up. Because he said that with that energy, that blockage, once we bring awareness to it, it's, it's purified. It's purified and purified. And then that energy becomes available to us in a different way, a different capacity. He says, always look up and relax your heart. There's a good practice. You know, sometimes I've been so overwhelmed by life and things coming at me, and I've just had to stop wherever I was, look up a little bit, and just relax my heart. Maybe that's where you start. I did that for a couple years. It was all I could do. There was so much change going on, so many things happening, and so many old ideas that I was attached to that I had to leave some room and spaciousness to move out of it. But it's very uncomfortable because I want to know the answer. I got to give it a name. Don't leave the seed of the self to deal with darkness. So important. To continue to ground ourselves in the truth of our being and realize, you know, I'm an, etern I'm an eternal being. It's, I don't know, but something within me does know. And so as I seat myself in that seat of self, I'm informed and inspired and nurtured. I'm cared for in a powerful, beautiful way. Our hearts become purified. And we don't ever have to take another fall. But if we do take a fall, if we do fall into the disturbances, we can just get back up. Because we know what it is. Oh my gosh, I fell into the disturbance again. There I went. Look at that. Silly me. <laughs> I did it again. And that is so powerful. See, yeah, there's, there, there's teachings on the planet, one is specific that I'm very familiar with, and I had a buddy that got involved, and I'm not going to name any names. But the idea was that eventually we completely dissolve our, our reactive minds, and we never feel anything again. We're masters of time, space, and dimension. All these, these wonderful promises. But that's a fantasy. It's a beautiful, beautiful idea, but it's a fantasy. And I don't think that ever happens. I don't think ever life ever passes over our hearts and we're, we're not in some way impacted or touched. I just think that's, that's the beauty of life as well. So it's not about never being affected. It's simply about when those things do blow over the, 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 the presence of our vulnerable hearts, we have the awareness and consciousness to process them appropriately. That we don't back our dunk truck up of, of emotional baggage and garbage. We don't 
pull our friends in and then vomit on them emotionally. (laughs) Sign up for ministry sometime. You just have to wear a rubber sheet most of the time. (laughs) But it's true. Oh, get up there and talk about positive stuff and transformation. Let me tell you my story. I'll be right back. I'm going to put on my rubber sheet and we'll get going on this. Every moment is a spiritual experience. Every moment. So choosing to keep our hearts open is a powerful practice. And it's so important. As he says, relax your shoulders, relax your heart. Nurture a spacious relationship with all your thoughts. Wow, where's that coming from? I was married to a a beautiful woman for a number of years, and she got scared by a bird when she was little. And every time we would see a bird, she would have the same response. We could go to a zoo, but we wouldn't go see the birds. And I thought, weren't you like four years old when that happened? But that was alive in her. And she'd had a bad experience with birds. So birds were always a threat. Notice where you place your focus. And he says, when you notice that when we're in the seat of the soul, you'll know what to do. You'll know what to do. And it's a wonderful thing. It's the same thing Dr. Holmes said. I don't know, but something within me does know. And you do know. You are infinite. As Alan Watts said, we are creating every life. Every birth is our birth. That is a continuum of power and joy and beauty. And to be, to be on this planet fully alive and sharing our gifts and talents and joys and wonders. I mean, is that not the best? This is the bomb. I mean, thousands and millions of people that have gone before us would love to be doing what we're doing right now. And I know you love what you're doing right now, and so it is. Blessings.